So every Saturday morning in Centerville at uh, the Hardys, a group of men from Y Bible Church meet. <laughs> it's one of our life groups, and I really don't know um, how many years uh, these guys have been doing this. Mr. Webb, who left with the Children for Children Church, could tell you because he's been with it from the beginning. And it has been a while since I've been there, but every time I go, I walk away blessed. And those men are kind of fond of describing their group by saying they spend the first half hour uh, giving one another a hard time and the last half hour repenting of it, and in the middle they spend time in the Word. And there's been a kind of a running joke that it's the uh, old guys group, but there's really nothing old about uh, what they do, and any younger man would fit right in. What they do is, yes, time-honored for Christians have been doing things like this forever. They get together, they enjoy one another's company, and we who are believers refer to that as fellowship, and it's certainly a different kind of fellowship than a ladies' group might appreciate. But they get together, and they spend that time, and then they spend time in the Word, and then they pray for one one another. And all in all, when they leave there, they are glad that they have come, and they're better prepared to love their families and to meet the world head on. But from time to time, something very special happens there. One of the men's phone will ring. There's nothing unusual about that, of course. But this call, when it happens, is from Kansas. And on the other end of the line is Pastor Jack. And he's checking in with his men from Y Bible Church. Now, I don't know the exact genesis of how this relationship developed, but Pastor Jack uh, is Pastor Paul's dad, and Paul served this church as pastor for over 20 years, and his dad, Jack, was director of Village Missions, and, and he was part of Y Bible Church for at least some of that time. And it was during those days that he built this lifelong connection with uh, some of these men in that group. And what's really interesting is is that he has, over the phone, built relationships with other men who have come along long after Pastor Jack's time here. And so from time to time, he calls, and the guys love it. And you can tell that Jack loves it too. Now, now these men who meet at Hardy's and Pastor Jack, who is in Kansas, and of course, he's older now, and he is living in his last days, and yet he's still serving our Lord. These men are partners together in the good news of Jesus Christ. They share a common love for our Lord Jesus, and, and, and from that love, they love one another, and together, though they're separated by distance, they serve God. And you know, we too, as a church, are partners with Pastor Jack in the gospel. Uh, when we become aware of some need that he has, uh, there's always something related to ministry that he's going to do. Maybe it's a conference for retired village missionary pastors or a retreat for those who are still in the field. And Jack is going to go and he's going to minister to them. We help as we can with finances. And so we're a partnership in a partnership in the gospel with him also. And it really is a, a wonderful relationship, this partnership in the good news of Jesus. And in many ways, it's similar 
to one that's recorded for us in the Bible. And the partnership I'm talking about was between Paul the Apostle and the Philippian church, and you can find that in the first chapter of Paul's letter to them. So I'd like you to join me in your Bible, if you would, in the first chapter, where we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8, or of course Jim will have uh, text up on either side uh, on the screen here. But um, but, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, where we'll talk about this partnership. Now, when you begin uh, to read there, you begin to get a real sense of how Paul feels about the Philippians from verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, Paul so much appreciated the Philippians, but, but he understood something. He understood that they were a gift from God at his every mem- remembrance of them, and there were many we see that at the beginning of verse 4 when he says in all of my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy that's what he wrote but he prayed for them often and he thanked God for them and his prayers for the Philippians were always joyful you see every good thing we have in our lives come from God and the best things that we have are always relationships you and I know that If we take time and stop and think about it, we really do know it. I mean, we don't always live it out. I I know that. We often lose sight of that truth. But we know deep down, we know that truth. And it's not just Christians who know it either. Everyone else does too. In fact, that knowledge really is so common, it's almost become a cliche. I mean, you've all heard it said, no one on his deathbed or her deathbed ever wished for another toy or another hour in the office. Everyone wishes they had spent more time with the people they love. And the good things come from God, and the best things are other people. And so Paul was really grateful to God for the Philippians, and his prayers for them were always joyful. And quite simply put, Paul also loved them. And so we can see that when verse 7, when Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. You see, they were part of Paul. They were part of his life. They were in his heart. They were close to him. And then again in verse 8, he says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And the last statement really is uh, rather powerful, don't you think? I mean, Paul is calling God to bear witness of just how much he really did love them. He longed for them. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to spend time with them if he could. He loved them with the affection of Christ Jesus. He loved them like Jesus loved them. He loved them as he loved Christ himself, not in place of Jesus. But with Jesus, Paul loved them. And that love, I don't know the best way to say it, but that love, it smoothed out all of the rough edges that always seemed to be there in our relationships with other people. You know, this letter to the Philippians is unlike any other letters that Paul writes to the other churches. I mean, Paul loved them all. He cared for them all. The Corinthians, the Thessalonians, the Ephesians, the Galatians, the Colossians. But here, Paul himself found encouragement, a, a kind of sustenance for his spiritual life. 
It's not that the Philippians didn't have problems. They did. But somehow, those problems never got in the way. They were always able to encourage one another. And so Paul thanked God for them, and he took great joy in them, and he loved them deeply. So what was it that made all of that possible? What was it that made Paul rejoice in them and pray for them and be glad for them and love them so? Well, there really are three things that we find here in the text. And verse 6 tells us about two of them, and so we read there, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, and we're going to stop right there, See, Paul knew something about the Philippians. He knew that God had begun a good work in them. That is, the Philippians were believers. They had put their faith in Jesus Christ, and Paul was part of that. We know he was the one who came there and introduced them to Christ. But both of them, Paul and the Philippians, had put their trust in God. They had staked their eternity on the good news. Now, I know this almost goes without saying, but we do need to say it. The basis of our relationship, yours and mine, Paul, the apostle, and the church in Philippi or anywhere else, the basis of our relationship with other believers is our relationship to God. The broken relationship with God in the Garden of Eden broke all other relationships. And fixing that first relationship, that relationship with God, is the first step to getting all the others right. So we can think of it this way, if we want. We we could think of them as believers, as people who are all on the same boat. And so we walk the same decks, and we eat the same food, and we're all going to the same place. It's really anywhere else we can go. We can, if we want, stay to ourselves, or we can get to know one another. And we ought to. We are, after all, going to spend eternity together. But being on that boat together is what makes it all possible. Now, it's not that you can't have some kind of a relationship with others, but it's not going to last. It's not eternal. They're really on a different boat. The boats are kind of only passing each other and sooner or later they're going to part ways so our relationship with others believers is closer than any other bond we share you see we are united by the blood of jesus christ we are blood brothers and sisters for all eternity because of what christ has done for us and paul's thankful His joy and his love for the Philippians was based on that solid foundation of Jesus Christ. But it didn't stop there because Paul also knew this. He knew that God had going to continue the work that he had begun in the Philippians. So verse 6 again, and this time we're going to read the whole thing, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And so because of Paul's confidence in God's work in their lives, uh, in the lives of his friends at Philippi, well, I, I don't know any other way to say it, but it's setting free to fully and enjoy and benefit from that relationship. See, God begins a work in you and in me. And, and when you first put your faith in Christ, 
He starts that work, but then he continues that work in you. After that initial act, and, and he continues it all your life long, and he doesn't stop until you're like his son, Jesus. See, that's what Paul said about the Philippians. God was working in them. They belonged to him. He was working in them, and he was making them like Christ. So the seed was planted in your heart, my heart, and it, it may have been small when it was planted, like the seed of the mustard plant, but it grows and it keeps on growing until it's the biggest thing in the garden. Or maybe it's like a tiny amount of yeast that's worked into the flour, but it changes the whole loaf and becomes an integral part of everything. God begins this work in you, and he keeps right on doing it. And, and it was Paul's confidence in that which allowed him to enjoy and benefit from that relationship with Christ. Now, I, I want to tell you a little story. I mean, years ago, before I was a pastor myself, I was talking with a, another man who was a pastor, and we were talking about alcohol and whether it was okay for a Christian to partake as long as they didn't get intoxicated. And he was against it. He thought it was a sin. But then he said something which shocked me. He said, even if it was okay, I would never tell my people that because I don't trust him. Well, maybe, maybe with that group he was right. I don't know. Maybe they were just so bad that he couldn't trust them with the truth. But think of what their relationship must have been like when the pastor himself thought so poorly of them. And yet I believed then, and I still do, that Jesus meant what he said when he said the truth will set you free. I believe with all of my heart. I believe God is at work in your lives. I do. He, he loves you. He doesn't need me or Jim. And he's at work in your lives, and I take great comfort in that. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. I'll always tell you the truth, whether it's good or bad. And that trust in that fact that God is at work in your lives makes a difference in the way that you and I will relate to one another, just as it did for Paul and the way that he related with the Philippians. Now, of course, I know you want to ask. You want to say, well, doesn't God do that for all his people, all of his churches? Well, yes, he does. <laughs> he does do that. But, but they don't always cooperate with God in the same way. Oh, yeah, God's going to accomplish his purposes, to be sure. But with some people in some churches, an awful lot of plowing and weeding and pruning are needed. And with some, the dough has to be kneaded and pounded and floured more than others. The Philippians got it. They got it. They knew that God had saved them. And they, they knew that he was at work in their life. And they were glad of it. And they were ready to cooperate with God in any way and in whatever he was doing. That's what I think about you here. You know Christ has saved you. You know he's at work in your life. And you're ready to do whatever it is that he calls you to. And we see that very thing in the third uh, item which made Paul so happy with the uh, Philippians 
You see, they were partners with him in the gospel. And so verse 4 again, In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That partnership made all the difference in their relationship. And we're going to come back to that in just a little bit to, to see what that partnership looked like, what it meant. But first we need to see how strong it was. You see, the Philippians entered that partnership with Paul right from the very beginning. They understood that what they had, everybody else needed to. I remember the night that I first came to the cross. I was working the midnight shift at the 7-Eleven store, and George uh, had been coming in every night uh, for two weeks sharing the good news with me. He faithfully came in every night, and he opened his Bible, and he shared the word. And then one night, it was like the lights were turned on, and the last piece of the puzzle fell into place. And I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew I was lost, I was condemned, and I was unable to save myself. But I also knew that God had loved me, and he offered me salvation through the death of his son on that cross. And in that back aisle of that 7-Eleven store at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got down on my knees and I asked Christ to save me and to forgive me my sins. And when I got up off of my knees, I knew it's as clear to me today as it was then. I knew everyone needed what I had. And I knew that somehow, I had to help others come to that point. And see, that's what the Philippians knew. They knew what God had done for them, and they had become partners with Paul in the good news. And they stayed in touch with him through thick and thin, through the good times and through the bad. Paul put it this way, from the first day until now, they were partners from start to finish, and Paul knew he could count on him on them. Can I tell you something that maybe you don't know, but you should know? And I really am surprised how many people aren't aware of this. Yeah, most people understand that for a church to grow, they they need a pastor. And not just anyone is going to do. We mean by that that a church needs a good pastor, not a perfect man. (laughs) There aren't any that are perfect except Jesus but you need someone who's committed to following Jesus Christ. Do you know the other side of that is for a man to become a really good pastor, he needs a good church. Do you know that? It's absolutely true. Yes, we grow through hard times, and yes, a man can grow As a pastor in a church, it opposes his every move, but growth in a place like that is only getting him ready for a church where he can really go. A church where the pastor and the congregation can go through hard times together. And for Paul, the Philippians were that church. Much of what made Paul, Paul, could be traced back to them and to Antioch, the church that first sent him out. We're we're all more effective as believers when when we have those kinds of people in our lives, and that includes pastors. And that's why Pastor Jack means so much to the men at Hardee's. It's why 
they mean so much to him. See, they're partners in something bigger than themselves that, that started at the cross but will never end and will flow throughout all eternity. They're partners in the good news. So what does that mean to be partners in the good news? What does it look like to be partners in the Gospels? Well, there's a mutual encouragement that happens, and we've seen there's joy and thanksgiving and love. And when Pastor Jack needs something, help of some kind or prayers for something, he reaches out to them. And and everything that Pastor Jack does, those guys have a part in. When he teaches Sunday school class or visits the sick or shares the faith with someone or counsels the hurting or cares for retired pastors, they're part of that. And so are we as a church, since we help when we can. Pastor Jack's partnership with those men at Hardy's and why Bible's partnership with him. It's like Paul's with the Philippians. It was a, a long distance partnership. But you do know, don't you, that partnership is happening much closer to home. It's happening here. Everything that Jim and I do, every message we preach, our ministries at Little Lamb or Awana or in life groups or youth group, every funeral or wedding we do, every time we share the good news with someone, every time we counsel someone, we're able to do that because of you and your partnership with us. And it's not just that you support us financially. Yes, you you do that, and we're grateful, but it's more than that. You see, you encourage us. We know, Shem, we do, don't we? We know they love us. You love us. We, We have confidence in you. We know that you love God. We know that he's at work in your life, and we can see you growing. We're not blind. We can see when some of you are struggling. Sometimes you come to us for help, but, but we also see God working in your lives. I, I, I could probably look at almost every one of you here, and I can think of something that I know that God has done in your life, some way where he's expressed himself through you. We can see you growing. We love this church. We love you. I know you've heard me say it. I I don't care. I'm going to say it again. Bears repeating. When Anna and I first came here, we felt like we'd come home, and we still feel that way today. We love you. And all those things, all of those things, make it easy. It really makes it possible for Jim and me as pastors to grow as pastors, to grow as men, to become more and more what God wants us to be. We really are partners together with you in the good news. I need to tell you one last thing. Depending on how you uh, measure, you could do a whole lot better than me for a pastor. I'm a pretty lousy CEO. There are no doubt men who are better theologians, and certainly there are better speakers. 
as a physical specimen, well, what you see is what you get. And I am no longer young. All I can really say for myself is this. I'm here. And yes, I. Love you. You won't find anybody who loves you better than me. You, you can find someone who will love you as much as me, but not better. And if you are ever to get to a point where you wanted a younger or smarter or thinner pastor, if you ever found one that would love you in that way, you wanted him, I'd move over. I'd get out of the way. And I'd rejoice with you. And then I'd find out what else God wanted me to do. And I'd go do that. And we would be partners together for the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter what it was we were doing. That's what we are now. And by the grace of God, that's what we will always be. Pray with me, please. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for the promise in your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that you have begun that good work in us and you will carry it on to completion. Help us to work with you in that. Help us, Lord, to see what you're doing. To work with your church, with your people, to love them, to serve them. Help us to make your job easier. And thank you for what you have started and what you are doing and what you will do. In Jesus' name.